Deepak Chopra once said every time you are tempted to react in the same old way ask if you want to be a prisoner of the past or a pioneer of the future Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist a podcast channel for all things optometry and this is your host Ukti Vora Please remember to like not just this episode but all the other episodes on your favorite streaming platform Diving back to the to the quote that I started off with I have someone who is actually someone who is pioneered in the space which we're all pr- pretty much scared about Let me introduce a true nerd uh, Dr Eric Rosenberg is a cornea and complex anterior segment surgeon at Site MD and an assistant professor of ophthalmology at New York Medical College where he had completed his residency He pursued his fellowship under the faculty at Will Cornell and why a Presbyterian Hospital in New York City. He is passionate about education in addition to the integration between technology, engineering and medicine. We all struggle with one he's got all three covered. Currently Dr. Rosenberg serves on the executive digital committee at ASCRS and is one of the co-founders of MetaMed Media. Metaverse is becoming a reality thanks to him and his colleagues. A very warm welcome uh, to the Nerdy family. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ukti. That was a was a beautiful introduction and and a beautiful quote. Um, let's start by saying that um, I have not heard that one before, and I I think it's a beautiful thing, right? Because it it pushes us all. um to push our own boundaries right otherwise we get stuck in complacency and and the way that things were done are not always traditionally going to be the way where it's the way we're comfortable and that's great um but let me be the first to say that I, i'm not technology's biggest fan but it it, it it's primed to uh, be something bigger than it currently is and that's an exciting part about it but that's also what is part of being visionary which i believe you are But before we get into technology and all the amazing things you are working on I actually want to start with my favorite question how did you bump into eye care like how did your journey begin Oh man that's a, that's a challenging question um you know I took a very circuitous way um into ophthalmology I I started um my career in life off as an engineer so I have uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees in uh, engineering both mechanical and biomedical um and uh my wife um went the medical school route and I thought it was uh, fascinating and interesting and uh, both my parents happened to be physicians as well and um you know i i thought it was uh you know it, it was interesting so i decided to try my hand at applying to to medical school and i wound up going to where my wife was in medical school and uh following that she uh, always knew she wanted to do ophthalmology her father's been an ophthalmologist for 35 years and um you know that was going to be her path i um always wanted it to be her path so i i looked elsewhere and i found general surgery um for a few years i thought i really wanted to do general surgery and um it was 2:00 in the morning and somebody's intestines and i thought hey i did well in medical school what am i doing here um <laughs> uh it it just wasn't a passion of mine i only kid um you know it was uh, not something i enjoyed reading and then i started picking up her textbooks and i thought um how much more fascinating um and intricate and wild the eye was it really um 
intertwined some of my passions, especially in in neurology. My uh, my thesis uh, for my graduate degree in engineering was on kinesin molecular biomotors. So I I was always very interested in um, uh, neurology in general. And uh, then, uh, you know, uh, long story short, I, I found ophthalmology and uh, I started reading her textbooks. I fell in love. I took a year off uh, to, you know, retool my application and did so, wound up in ophthalmology. And uh, that, that's, that's how I wound up in eye care, um, the best field that ever existed, I, I got to say. Absolutely. And I always keep saying people that if you, whether it was a planned decision or whether you've bumped into eye care, optometry or ophthalmology, there's no going back. There is so much to do and it's so fascinating. Uh, and I'm sure your journey kind of highlights the same. So as I briefly mentioned in the introduction, right, like you are practicing ophthalmologist, you do cornea and complex anterior segment surgery. Uh, but along with that, you're also an assistant professor, you also teach. So tell us a little more about how did that journey of like starting ophthalmology? Yes, but how did you decide to kind of go into teaching? And how does that happen? I think, you know, uh, us going down this road, no matter who you are in eye care, um, you know that there are teachers who brought you to where you were. Um, and that's an exciting feature, um, you know, bringing up the next generation to be better than who you were. Um, and, you know, I always noticed that in my mentors, um, you know, their capacity to understand your level, um, bring the knowledge to you and then realize that you're going to, you know, advance the field where uh, they just fell short. And and that's how any field um, within medicine evolves. It's just that you, you need to train that next generation to be better than you. And I always told the residents who came after me and the medical students who I, I try to help out, uh, you know, here and there, um, they think I'm joking. Uh, I said, I, I tell them that I expect them to be better than I am. Um, and that is my expectation of them. Um, you know, they need to be. This is the this. There's so much to this field that we all know that the depth is just uh, unknown. It's, you know, when they were first trying to figure out how how deep the trenches were in the Pacific Ocean, you know, it, it, they just thought it just went down to, to infinity. That's that's the depth I feel within ophthalmology and within neurology. We just don't understand so much, and there's so much yet to be uncovered. Uh, we're only merely trying to bring tools uh, to the forefront to allow people to be able to explore, um, you know, more of the unknown. What what drove me to do that, though, is um, one of my mentors was, uh, you know, a, a, a very unknown ophthalmologist, and nobody seems to know him. Um, his name's Eric Donenfeld, and um, he once told me that, uh, you know, you can make your practice what you want it to be. Um, and that always resonated with me and stuck with me. And I think that that's a really important message for everybody to know, because no matter where you are in eye care, there's always a need, there's a niche and whatever drives you and your passion is, that's where you're going to excel at. Um, you know, if all you wanted to do was pterygium surgeries and that's what drove you to be better the next day. That's what you should do. Um, if your thing is doing hard RGP contact lenses and nothing makes you happier than being able to get people the best possible vision they could possibly get who would otherwise not be able to see, 
that's fantastic. That that's amazing work, right? Um, you just need to find what motivates you. And if it's niche or if it's more of a global picture, that's okay too. Um, but, you know, I always knew that research was going to be a part of what I did just based on my background and, you know, my own loves. Um, and, you know, my my wife and I always saw eye to eye with that. We we wanted to be able um, to kind of move the needle a little bit. And, and you know, when it comes down to education and, and training that next generation, that's a huge component of it. If you don't um, have people understanding what it is you're doing, that work's never going to be continued. And if that's something that drives them, then that's great. Then they can take it to that next chapter. Absolutely. And I really like how you uh, said certain things very casually, but I have to highlight the fact that you're looking forward to have better versions of eye care professionals in the future. So you are taking the lead, not just to teach them, but to make sure and you're comfortable saying out loud that, hey, you need to be better than me or better than all of us who does exist today. Like go push these boundaries because sometimes we are scared of the newer generation being like way ahead, whether it is like, you know, adapting new technology or new, uh, like, even if I look at my five year or 10 year old nephew, he knows much more than I knew when I was 10 year old. So you suddenly feel like, oh my God, like, what are you talking? Like, this should come at like 18, not at 10. <laughs> but that's the great part, right? That's They're the able part, to yeah. intermingle their world with the current world. And, uh, you know, the, the vision of the current world is not a bad one. Um, yes. There's obviously a lot going on in it, but, you know, as far as our own profession and our own world, um, it, it is it, it is that marvelous, right? It is that spectacular where um, everybody's going to bring their own unique features uh, to the, even though some of the medical students who I help now, I'm helping them with the ophthalmology residency and whatnot. And um, uh, some of them are so ingrained in tech that, I mean, I'm learning a ton from them. Um, it's just, it's, it's super rewarding in, in that way. It's not that I did it to expect that. It's just, that seems to be a byproduct of it. And it, it it's fun. I'm learning so much from my students, um, which is, which is awesome. I mean, that, that tells you that they're going to push it, right? Yes. And I really love seeing that passion that is there in your voice, in your expression, the way you're sharing your journey. And I can resonate the fact that even when I started podcasting, right, I wasn't, I was trying to just ask questions, but the amount of things I learned from each and every one is fascinating. Like I didn't sign up for it, but it just happened. It's the byproduct. And that's the most fun part about like learning from people's experiences, their journeys and understanding what amazing things they are bringing in this industry. So you did share about like, you know, how practicing into ophthalmology happened, professor, being a professor happened and why you're so passionate about it because you want to uh, kind of build the future or support the future to be them, uh, to make them more informed decisions. But tell us about of course, you loved technology. I think that's evident. You started with engineering, then you also loved medicine. You moved to medicine. Those those two uh, angles, I totally understand. But I want to know which, when did you feel that in the, it was the right time or when did you realize that, you know, it's time for you to step up and incorporate technology in eye care? How did that relationship actually happen? 
So that's a great question. Um, and, you know, that's that's not something uh, many people have asked me. And the truth is that I actually maneuvered into medicine because within engineering, and I think your husband could attest to it maybe, um, is that there tends to be a glass ceiling for engineers in some of these larger corporations, especially if you don't have your MBA or MD or any other more health-related science or business degrees. It, you, you make it to a point and that's kind of where it is. And these corporations, from what I've noticed, um, are, are run mostly uh, by the MBAs and, and those people who understand you know, the corporate architecture, which there's nothing wrong with but you have to appreciate that going through that um you know you will not be able to run things or do anything other than the development in your particular niche um with that particular degree so i thought to myself that you know pursuing a medical degree would be helpful if i wanted to leverage back into industry um so i would be a little bit more useful to that particular architecture um, and once I was in it, um, you know, when, once you find something you love to do, right, you, you, your plans don't always, uh, you know, come to fruition. So I, I never made my way back into industry, um, per se, but I do see a strong value of working with industry. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, I think the days are over where individual doctors are going to be able to, you know, invent this knickknack or this, uh, you know, widget uh, to be able to to help a large number of people. I, I think that there are still going to be those outliers where you can do that, but I don't think that's going to be um, the status quo of, of how the field advances. I think we've come to a point in time where the complexities of um, management and diagnosis and treatment are such that you actually need a larger team to be able to create solutions that don't currently exist. Um, and in appreciating that, it, it's helped me to understand uh, the role of industry and um, practicing physicians. Um, there really needs to be a strong collaborative effort because I don't think we're going to see good solutions if we all don't bring our strengths to the table. Um, and a lot of doctors in general can be afraid of doing that because they're afraid of people taking their ideas and, you know, running with them without the doctors. Um, but the truth is, if you're the visionary and you're the person that sees, you know, X, Y, or Z thing, and you bring it to an industry company and you express to them, you, you want to work with them to develop these things, um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there's plenty of avenues to pursue that path. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how I, I, I see our, our industry partners uh, in all this. I think that they can advance the field without us. And um, truthfully, we're going to struggle to advance the field without them. And um, kind of bridging that gap and having a little bit of an understanding of both is also very helpful. Um, and, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily need an end goal. You can just enjoy what you're doing and, and love what you're doing. And, um, you know, your path finds you. Uh, and and that's that's a really fun, fun thing. And that's happened more recently to me versus um, in the past. I, I always saw it as me being behind everybody else because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was older than most, right? I'm playing catch up and everything else like that. And now um, I, I appreciate it for what it was. It was it was meant to be. It was a journey that we're all meant to experience and um, go down. And you know that it, it's it's a fascinating question because 
I thought I was going to do something different um, and wound up doing this, which But is you not. are doing different. You are doing something very, very different. And that's actually what we're going to get to next. But it's, I, I was just stuck by the fact that you said that, you know, MBA would be an easy route. You decided to do an ophthalmology or like do medicine. Trust me, most of them would have just chosen getting an MBA done and move up the line. <laughs> MBAs are hard. Um, I took some of those classes with uh, the kids at Warden, and um, they are really, really smart kids. Uh, of um, course, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not hard, but you know, going through medicine and working through medical college to become a surgeon, you might have. You were already there, like you were. I just told you I was the dumb one, right? That should <laughs> tell you that the opportunity cost of those years is real. <laughs> well then you actually have a better shortcut the workaround which allows you to be where you would have probably been there and and I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the a very good point that one thing that I really like uh, about people like yourself who are innovators and inventors the fact that these industries that we're talking about are going to invent because they have the best technical mind but we need to give them the medical insights and we need to own and run with it because otherwise they will come with the technology which we have to adopt to at some point but here we can actually lead the way and bring in our medical insights to it so which is which is taking control than just being a follower and that's fantastic for people like yourself who have been doing this in our industry Oh, thank you. And and absolutely for anybody, anybody listening to this as well, um, you know, it, it doesn't only come from, you know, deciding, you know, which particular program or back end to use or what front end. Um, it's day to day stuff, too. They're always looking to work with people because they want it to to run seamlessly with you. Otherwise, th it's going to be created without you, right? That, right? that we know, they have a solution for something. EHR is the best example of it. Pretty much the government <laughs> said, here's, you know, $60 billion, go. And what did most people do? Well, when they developed it, they created a one-to-one -one carbon copy of what they were doing on paper to what they need to do on the computer. And that's not the best use of technology. Technology has never evolved things by carbon copying what it was in the past, right? Um, the typewriter is a good example of that, right? When they, when they started with the keys and everything else like that. Um, you know, the computer was never meant just to be the typewriter. It, it's evolved into a magnificent, magnificent thing that is its own um, entity and something that you would not be able to live without. Yes. Um, and so carbon copying is, is never the way. And the reason, the way you get out of the carbon copy is actually working, you know, being, being the intellectual, um, that you are, uh, you know, from your practice, getting to work with these companies and telling them how things flow. This is how my practice works because there's going to be 10 different models, um, that they're going to have to adjust with and they want it to work for everybody. I guarantee you that. Um, and we're on this precipice of all of these digital technologies coming out, um, and it, it's going to be a wild thing, I, I suspect, in the next five years where there's going to be a lot of solutions that that interweave all our practices, um, ophthalmology, optometry, medicals, PMDs, cardiologists. We're going to see some of these solutions that, that just mesh a lot together. So um, the more vocal you are in this regard and the more input you give, uh, the more you're going to get it out of it for, you, for the longevity of your career, too. 
absolutely and i really love the the example you gave about a typewriter to like you know a keyboard or like a computer it's not copy pasting and you need to kind of think beyond and of course not many of us uh can think beyond or be more futuristic with their vision and sometimes technology is overwhelming especially the fact that now you're seeing something coming left right and center you're like i just got done with this one app like can you stop coming up with three more uh so i totally understand that piece as well but you can you tell us like you know these the reason that i want to go to the next part of our discussion is metaverse it's something that we all randomly out of uh, one day morning everybody talks about metaverse while i'm sure you know things are still not yet clear that how that will play a role or what would it look like you have already created metamed and you also already had like a conference like where people were actually mm-hmm. presenting so you have taken it uh, a quite deep dive into that but i know you had mentioned before we get into metaverse and metamed about digital visualization how did can you share us a little more about that before we go into metaverse and metamed absolutely um uh, two of my favorite topics so thank you um <laughs> with the the digital visualization i was fortunate um to actually see in ingenuity uh, which is uh, alcon's product it's a 3d digital visualization scope um which ultimately means that you use cameras to uh, visualize the operative field and the cameras then go to a computer and from the computer it actually shows on a 55 inch oled um, 3d television you wear passive glasses uh, passive 3d glasses while you operate so you're not affixed to the scope anymore you don't look through the oculars and for the most part just the posterior segment surgeons were using it in its early development and um i asked uh, both kimberly sipple and chris star um who were my attendings at cornell um and my fellowship preceptors uh, you know can we use this machine that the posterior segments are using it and um you know dr sipple at the time was like yeah um you know let's let, let's do it right and this is what it's made for uh, she recognized it so um she knew that you know i i was up to the to the challenge of you know adding this to my you know surgical repertoire and it was routine cataract surgery at that time um so we put it on um one of the scopes and we did cataract surgery with it and um outside of rob weinstock and a, a few others you know not many people were using it for anterior segment and when I saw it sitting there in the corner before using it, I realized that this was the missing link um, to the entire ecosystem of uh, digitization uh, within my field and, and, you know, anterior segment, but also within posterior segment as well. You know, we have a digital footprint everywhere. When we sign people into the EHRs, our OCT machines, our DICOM servers, um, auto refractors, uh, you know, now there's digital foropters and digital tele, you know, consultations. The only place that there there wasn't a digital footprint was in the operating room. Um, and this was the missing link because um, now you have a fully integratable, fully, um, you know, interwoven system that will be able to, you know, uh, appreciate information uh, both preoperatively and postoperatively and relate it to the intraoperative situation. And, 
you know, we go into ophthalmology mostly, um, you know, from the surgical element of it, but there are plenty of people who love the medical diagnostic, but uh, the medical diagnostic part of ophthalmology. Um, and that's a great thing to do too. But, uh, you know, from where I was entering in, I, I really like the surgical element of it. And, you know, I realized that there's still a little, still a lot of art in medicine and surgery. And now we have a system that goes full patient journey. Um, and we can start making our lives easier with some of the information that's coming from the OR um, and now works within the system, just like when we take the OCTs, just like when we take, you know, the fundus photos um, or the RNFLs, right? We made it so it was easy. It was on the EHR. It's not the most easy system. I, I personally miss paper and pencil because we still haven't optimized EHRs yet. Um, but uh, even with that said, you know, it brings it to one home in one place. Uh, and now you're going to be able to overlie um, more advanced systems like machine learning, AI, um, on top of this data to not only go through the patient journey, but help you. Um, we're developing AI backed IOL algorithms now. So, um, if you have a digital scope and we have preoperative biometry and we have Argos intraoperative aberometry and, um, biometry, you know, we're probably going to come to a point in the very near future where we're not picking out intraocular lenses before surgery, but rather intraoperatively, right? Um, based on large population sets of how people did that come from this ethnicity or this background with this effective lens position um, and this subjective outcome, we're going to be able to intertwine all that information because that's the beauty of, of uh, AI is being able to process large amounts of data sets that would just be way too tedious and, and, and exhausting for us to do as, um, you know, humans. So a lot of people... Um, who did I hear this from? I, I'm pretty sure it was either Ted Lang or Yannick Leiderman. Um, they wanted to rename AI from artificial intelligence to augment, augmented intelligence. And I love that because it's not replacing any of us by any stretch of the imagination. It's just going to help us to do what we do. Um, there's still going to be art and medicine uh, across the board for everybody. Um, but wouldn't it be nice to have systems that help make things easier, more efficient and run smoother? Um, that's what the digital visualization was to me. And over time, I've gotten the pleasure of working with some of these companies and we've developed, um, you know, some, uh, programs and some, uh, digital overlays, which make our lives easier. So, uh, for example, let's say you have a scarred cornea and you have poor visualization, you can't see, um, and you still want to do the cataract surgery for this patient, but you don't want to send them to the retina specialist to do a parse plane of vitrectomy and a lensectomy posteriorly. You want to do this all from an anterior approach. Well, you can inject tripan blue into the anterior chamber and you can use something called blue booster. Now I think they renamed it to capsule, um, capsule detail mode. And what it does is it actually um, surveys every pixel in the screen, all 1 billion pixels for the color blue. And then if it picks up and registers a color blue, it actually auto enhances it. So now where you couldn't see before, the screen is 
digitally enhancing something that you couldn't see and now you can see it and complete wow. the rectus really safely. Yeah. So That's pretty um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, and this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and think about what we can do now that computers are involved with the OR. We use visual light normally, right? So that's how yeah. we've traditionally done surgery. Why do we need to stay on the visual spectrum, right? Because now we have computer cameras that are able to pick up different wavelengths of light. Um, we can start thinking outside the box of doing things safely. Light is toxic to the macula. We've shown that time and time again. And that's, that's, I mean, the initial case reports that came out with the initial operative microscopes were ridiculous. There's uh, phototoxicity everywhere. Um, but, you know, with time, we figured out which wavelengths were better. And um, we have eclipse filters and, you know, we have, uh, you know, modulation of the light intensity. We have a lot of things that can actually change um, on the operating microscope to make it a, you know, a safer journey. And especially the times, I mean, it used to be an hour to do a cataract. Now it's five minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> But we don't need to stay on that realm. So it, that's that's the fun, right? Um, and these these uh, digital systems are only going to enhance it, especially if they take our input. So, um, you know, whatever it is, if it's in the OR, if it's in clinic, you know, even if it's on your way home and it has to do with a chart, right? That's something. And, you know, passing off that information um, to a contact of yours of a system that you use is only going to be beneficial because it's going to make your life easier and make everybody's life easier going forward. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. And I love the facts you've shared with us because there were a few things which even I wasn't aware about it. So I'm glad that, you know, you did bring up those examples and kind of, I love the fact that you mentioned that it is uh, not artificial intelligence trying to replace us, but augmented intelligence, which is going to assist us. So let's, Keep it as your intelligent partner to help you grow in the career. And I really love the fact that we need to start thinking outside the box or rather just replace the box uh, in the first case. <laughs> but I know that we talked about digital visualization and you shared a lot about it, but you did take the step, the next step of developing uh, MetaMed. And you actually also went over like, you know, doing like uh, a conference around it where you were trying to teach and, you know, it, I actually saw a short video on your website. I'll be dropping the link of the website in the description. So do check it out. It's super cool. Uh, so I don't want to kind of share everything. I'll let you know. No, no, no. Take, take it away. I love it. So tell me about the whole process from cons. Did you have any other name to begin with? Sorry. I, I am always curious to know about stories behind names. Did you have any other name other than MetaMed? Or was that something... No, I, we were so Steve Houston, who's my partner in MetaMed, and I were brainstorming it when we first uh, created it, and um, I we didn't really come up with anything better. So I don't I don't know that it's particularly amazing. It's just that we couldn't find anything better than MetaMed, and uh, we did go through a whole host of uh, strange names, but it was it was on. Um, on the initiation of uh, meta forming, um, you know, when Mark Zuckerberg changed it from Facebook to meta, um, and then he started coming out, uh, you know, in, in favor and supporting metaverse backed applications, um, seeing that as the future. Um, which we haven't actually think he's right about. It's just that it wasn't as financially um, <laughs> beneficial to him as he initially thought or his investors so sorry if there's any facebook investors in here um 
<laughs> but, you know, what really reinvigorated him too was Apple's announcement of getting into uh, the metaverse as well and, and these uh, VR headsets. Yeah. Um, before it was just very niche, but Apple coming to the scene really tells people that this is going to be a mainstream product. Um, just like everything else that they've uh, brought to market, this is going to be, you know, not something you can't live without, but, uh, you know, maybe something you can't live without. We'll see. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that was the origin of the name. And I, you know what, I'm probably going to give Steve credit for it. I, I bet you he came up with it. I can't remember, but uh, it seems like something um, in his wheelhouse. All right. So now tell <laughs> us about this meta, meta med worse. I would like to add the worst behind it. To tell me, how did that journey happen? How did everybody's experience was? Tell us a little more about what that platform is all about. Uh, I would like to, I would like you to share about it, like the entire purpose of that platform or the media. Oh man. So it was maybe October and maybe a little bit earlier, September of, I'm going to say 21 um, it, it might have been even earlier than that, um, where, um, you know, I got the headset, um, the Oculus 2 or the Oculus, I forgot what it was at the time. And I was curious just because I like playing around with with new toys and new developments. I wanted to see what it was capable of. And um, I was really um, shocked with how far it had come. And I think one of the pitfalls that Meta had with the wide-scale adoption was people understanding what it can do differently than, let's say, WebEx or Zoom or anything else to bring people together to have discussions um, and who it is that they're targeting. You know, they went very broad scale. Um, they they painted with a with a broad brush um brush stroke over everything and said this is for everyone and i don't think it was at the time um i do think however it is something um special for you know for doctors in general i i think it's really important um and at the same time was when i was playing with the digital visualization systems um i i noticed a problem where i was able to record my surgeries in 3d um, but I wasn't able to replay them back in 3D. So from the educational standpoint, if you want to train residents, you want to train medical students, um, you want them to see what it is that you're talking about. And if you're recording, uh, you know, recording surgeries and, 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 and content in 3D, there should be a mechanism for you to play it back to them in 3D so they can appreciate the depth. Um, eye care in general is all 3D. Uh, yeah. it, it's 100% 3D. It doesn't matter what you're in, in in eye care. It is it is physics through and through. And um, when you start to get into the surgical elements of it, uh, just the same. It, it It's all about planes and, um, you know, uh, tack angles and uh, fulcrums, uh, how you're pivoting your instruments and moving around. So all that really came into play when I, I wanted to convey, you know, what it is that I'm talking about to somebody else. And um, I learned that we can kind of build a system where you can actually play back 3D content within a metaverse um, application. So, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. So I started playing around and um, I figured out something that was like, 
roughly good enough to work. Um, and then I made my first call to Steve, uh, Steve Houston, who's a retina surgeon down in Orlando. And I said, Steve, you know, I, I think I got something here because Steve had always been very active in, um, developing technologies, web three, NFTs, uh, crypto VR. And, um, he has a very, uh, deep knowledge of, of these topics and, um, you know, it, it really integrates well and I'll explain why later, but um, I asked him, you know, do you think that this is this is good enough? And he goes, yes. <laughs> um, so from there on, he's like, we need to do something. And I was like, okay, so we'll do something. And that was the creation of of MetaMed um, and, and how it formed. And then we started bringing colleagues into the metaverse um, with our 3D videos because uh, Steve also operates on the Ingenuity. Um, so he has a whole library, just as I do, of all 3D surgical videos. And we started bringing in our colleagues to have grand rounds and just talk. It was very grassroots. There's no CME credits. There's there's nothing that drives people there other than wanting to be better and understand and, and learn. Um, and... You know, nowadays when we host uh, uh, what we call retinaverses or, or MetaMed media events, um, we usually get 40 to 50 people in uh, on one shot, no problem. And uh, we get a presenter that, that sits at the front and has an avatar. So you, yes. you, can, you can either access it from your phone, from your tablet, from your computer, or you can use a VR headset. The VR headset is the most immersive and that's how you get the content back in 3D. But um, you control your avatar. It is 3D spatial audio. So as you get closer to someone, the voice gets louder. So it's no different than in real life and going to a meeting. So you walk up to somebody, you can have a discussion and it feels like you're there with them, uh, which is the most wild part of it all, because we're talking with colleagues all across, not just the US, but the world. Um, and it blows through, you know, geopolitical borders, everything. There's there's no one who can't access it. So if you want to come in and learn how they're treating diabetic retinopathy in Mexico and we're having a speaker from there, you know, we just we just had that. We actually just had Harvard, which is Mass Ioneer, do a joint grand rounds with Apex, which is a, a medical, inst uh, a Mexican institution. They did a joint grand rounds to talk about um, retinal pathologies and how each... Um, group treats it, which is wildly different because they're, you know, located in different areas and uh, access to resources are different. Yeah. It's different. So it's fun learning those things about your colleagues. And when you go to the meetings after you've been with them in the metaverse, you know, it feels like you were just with them last week. Yes. So, <laughs> so we were just at AAO and at AAO, um, I, we were, I ran into a, a couple of the ophthalmologists that come on to, you know, uh, MetaMed routinely for lectures. And we, we were joking because we were like, I didn't, I just see you, you know, and because you can, your avatar, which you build is you in the metaverse. Um, you can make it look just like you. So I have, it, it actually integrates a picture of your face and it puts your face over the face of the avatar. The jaw moves up and down. So it's like you're talking. Um, it shows your teeth. Yes. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's pretty wild. It feels like you're there with people and 
um, unlike, let's say, Zoom or WebEx or anything else, this is a two-dimensional conversation. It's usually between one or two parties. If somebody else wants to come up, then everybody else goes quiet, right? The other two speakers, and then you have, it's, it's very, for lack of a better word, two-dimensional. Um, when we start venturing into this metaverse, it's three-dimensional. Um, there's there's groups, people congregate together to have like discussions like they would at the conference hall. Um, your capacity to be able to digest 3D content is present. So if you have 3D videos, you can now play back 3D videos and talk about depth and talk about things that actually matter in surgery. Um, on top of being able to do anything, it's a virtual world. So we can build out any environment to do anything. Uh, the most recent one we just built out uh, is an eyeball theater. So we created a giant eyeball and you actually teleport into the eyeball and it has stadium seatings in it. You can actually see the zonules and the ciliary body and the processes. Um, there's a lens inside that's behind you. And then uh, as you're looking in, there's the retina, but then if somebody's presenting, a screen comes up in front of the retina. Um, but I mean, you can use your imagination. We can build anything or do anything and have these very um, lifelike conversations uh, and discussions. So uh, from our experience, people have been really loving it uh, because it's not only is it different, it's better in some ways where you get to stay at your house. Uh, let's say you have a two-year-old like I do. Um, you know, you get to spend as much time with them as you can. Um, meanwhile, still interacting, still engaging, still learning um, all the things that matter to you as a doctor in general. Um, so it, it, it's a really exciting platform, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm very biased towards it, but um, it offers up a, a lot that had been missing um, in the current paradigm of education and teaching. Uh, so that that was that was the existence of MetaMed, and uh, you know uh, how how we came to today. <laughs> Love it, and I'm, I for all the listeners, I'm sure you're all excited to kind of check out what this Meta MetaMed is all about, and they do have some introductory videos which shows a sneak peek into their uh, Meta world, uh, where you can also see people in avatars and speaking and glimpse of these 3D videos. I'll be dropping the link of their website in the description so definitely do check it out it is it is quite crazy it is very unique and the fact that you go closer to someone and you can start hearing the conversation and you can stand in groups and like have your own private conversations i have had that experience as well and it is definitely crazy it was one of my favorite experiences about the metaverse or the meta world you're like oh i can hear here i can go here and talk to this person and then i'm like okay i am done with this conversation i can just walk <laughs> over to someone else and hear what they're having uh, the discussion about it was pretty cool but i'm sure when you talk about all these technologies and developments right it wasn't uh, it it is great it does exist but it wasn't such a smooth ride for you did you have any roadblocks or challenges on the way uh, there's always roadblocks and challenges and, you know, technology is only a, to a certain capacity, right? So we're limited by what currently exists. A, a great example of that right now is that 
it takes a lot of bandwidth to be able to bring all these people into a room to be able to have, you know, arms that go left and right, especially as you're moving the controllers and the walking um, and playing the 3D video and whatever else objects we bring in. We do have like a max capacity of usually about 70 to 80. Otherwise, it gets a, a little bit buggy. We do have ways to avail ourselves of that problem, especially for larger meetings where we actually just mirror rooms so you can bring thousands of people into the same um, you know, lecture, but you're not all in that same room together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, understanding why we're limited in some fashions, um, you know, at one point uh, somebody wanted, you know, the uh, the avatar hair to be longer. They were very upset about you know the length of the hair. Um, so uh, the, there's there's always a whole host of issues and developments. And you know, we haven't really run a metaverse company. There's there's no. Um, you know, there's nobody to pin ourselves against, you know, in terms of how it is that we're building out the company and what it is that we're doing. Um, there's others that create surgical simulation, which are really cool. There's something called Fundamental VR, um, which just saw a huge Series A raise, which was great um, and exciting to see. Alcon's building out their own surgical uh, simulator. Um, you know, <laughs> The really nice thing about these is that they're going to be integratable and uh, interoperable. So what we're trying to develop going forward, and we're reaching out to some of these companies where, okay, well, if you want to come to, let's say, MetaMed for the meetings and the discussion and everything, and then you want to go try your hand in the simulators, um, we can build a portal because it's all on Unity. Um, that you go from our platform to their platform and, you know, work seamlessly like that. Like, okay, well, I just saw you do this scleral fixated IOL. I want to practice that virtually in another room. Now, do I think that this is a replacement for anything in real life? The answer is no. Um, I don't think anything replaces real life. I think that the human to human contact, the, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> the, the meetings that we have are unbelievably important. Um, you know, real eyeballs. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you need to practice uh, on, you know, even if it's cadaveric specimens, when you need to feel human tissue before uh, you get into somebody's eye. Does it help you understand and appreciate and learn the steps? The answer is yes. Um, and we know that definitively. There's been a bunch of studies looking at how VR is training surgeons across the board, not just ophthalmology, um, be able to retain the knowledge for the steps that are needed to be done at the time of surgery. And um, it is unequivocally better. Um, the, the retention is higher in people who use the VR surgical simulators. There's no question about that. Um, but I, again, just like AI, we said at the beginning, it's not artificial intelligence, it's augmented intelligence. This is an augmentation of what we currently have. This is the next step forward. This is, you know, for the person who can't leave their house, let's say they have, you know, family responsibilities, you know, let's say they have a busy practice six days a week. This, this is an important adjunct to things that don't currently let's say they're a mother a single mother caring for their kid um you know they're still a practicing doctor and they want to be able to interact with some of these you know world leaders in whatever their field is that option should be available to everybody yeah. um so it's it's really nice to be able to have that and not just 
be on this, you know, 2D WebEx, like, oh, that's a cool video, but I, I still don't really understand it. Or I can't talk to the person because they're giving, uh, you know, a WebEx meeting to a thousand other people who are in the audience. And I am, maybe I'm too afraid to raise my hand. That doesn't, you, you know, for a fact, it doesn't exist in the metaverse. You go up and you talk to whoever you want to talk to and, you know, you, you, yes. you watch what you want to watch and you move around just like you would in a real conference. Um, absolutely and i and i totally understand i actually recently went uh to one of the vr 3d experiences they mm-hmm. make you wear all the sensors and we did play squid games i'm not sure if many who have <laughs> yeah. and it was wild we literally were yelling though we knew in we are in like a closed room <laughs> there is nothing but there are times when you would step or do something wrong and you fall because there were games similar to challenge and the experience was so real oh my god we had we everybody were yelling though we are just there <laughs> standing and you would feel that uh, vibration so it was like all senses were kind of engaged so we definitely uh, were blown away by that experience and I'm I'm glad that you know gradually from 2D to 3D 3D to more depth in terms of our experiences will will happen with uh, the advancement in technology and also the fact that it helps you be more global not just understand what's happening next door but understand where the world is going and also have give you an awareness of where you stand versus where your colleagues and how can you help and learn from each other. And I feel that's the great way of looking at technology and embracing it. And I think you already did touch upon smart solutions about like, you know, how things can be shared, but how do you envision or do you have anything more to add about like, how do you envision these smart solution being part of the future in the eye care industry? Mm, that's a great question. So, you know, I think because we, now we have digital operating scopes, we have the method to be able to live stream surgeries into the metaverse. If you have residents who are halfway across the world and they want to learn how to do a challenging case in 3D and watching it live, that's going to be available. Um, and we'll be able to have libraries of digital 3D content. Let's say that we held a meeting um, at MetaMed and we brought in, you know, Eric Donenfeld of the world to be able to give a lecture on, you know, I don't know, IOLs or something else. And you missed it, right? You couldn't make it. Your life was too busy. Well, um, we're organizing something right now where we've built out a library and you can actually just access the content on demand. And not only can you access it on demand, interestingly, you can 3D volumetrically record events. And what that means is that we can record everybody as they exist in the theater, moving around how they move around, all the all the audio, um, all the, you know, all the content that's on the, the screens and everything else like that. So if somebody does want to come back in at a later date, they feel like they were there at that meeting um, because everybody who's there has already asked the questions, um, you know, to the presenter, the presenters answered and um, the 3D audio still exists for that particular region. So you can feel like you were um, present for that meeting that you missed and, and the content. So you know, it really democratizes uh, a lot of information, um, which is kind of exciting. And at, at MetaMed, obviously, it's run by two physicians. Um, so, you know, we make sure that there's no barriers to access for doctors in general or medical students or any student or anything. So if you want to come in, you just come in. We post our events on our 
on our online bulletin. Um, usually we do it every other Sunday night for the Retinaverse rounds. Everybody's welcome. Um, we share the room code. The only thing is I think we ask you to register just so it makes it easier for us to send out the emails as to what the room code is to get into it. Um, you download an application called Engage either on your iPad or your computer or your VR headset and, and you're in. Um, so again, we want the least amount of barriers to entry to people, you know, getting knowledge. Um, we work with our industry partners to help us to be able to do this. And they see the utility in us learning and being better doctors in general. So um, we're happy to host not just ophthalmology. We started getting into podiatry and orthopedic surgery. Um you know, we're happy to get into optometry. Uh, we're happy to get into anything. If you want to host something, just let us know. Um, tell us, you know, what, what the purpose is and what your goals are. And, you know, we're, we're happy to facilitate, obviously. That is wonderful. I'm so excited to kind of uh, listen to all these things. And I really like the goal that you have is to help students help, help the healthcare industry and all the individuals who can benefit from it. So I like the fact that, you know, it is not limited or restricted to one particular community or industry. It's for one, it's for all. But I know we did talk a lot about technology, about medicine. We did. Uh, but I think it's time for us to go to my game segment so we can know you a little better. Uh, so I will have it's a simple game called this or that. I'll give you two options. You have to pick which is your favorite option just so that we know you a little better. Okay. Uh, all right. Are you ready for it? <laughs> no, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple game. All right. Are you a dog person or a cat person? A dog person, for sure. All right. Phone call or text? Ooh, that's a hard one. I like both. Can I like both? No, Is you that, have to pick uh, one. Yeah, you have to pick one. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe text. It's faster and you can multitask. Okay. Glasses or contact lenses? Oh, I'm an emetrope. <laughs> if you had to pick, what is your <laughs> If I had to pick, I'd probably like glasses. Glasses. All right. Uh, online shopping or shopping in store? Oh, online shopping for sure. On, uh, uh, online shopping. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and Peapod deliveries and anything that <laughs> and that means I don't have to go do something. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an right. easy. Cake or ice cream? Oh, ice cream. Okay, oceans or mountains? Oceans for sure. I, I, one thing I don't understand is people are given a finite number of time to go vacation, right? To have off, and if you choose to go somewhere where you can lose a toe or an extremity such as the mountains and skiing i don't understand you i just don't <laughs> um I, I, how do you justify going there when you can go somewhere warm that has a beach i, I feel like it's psychopathic to <laughs> not choose the beach <laughs> just saying any of you listeners you can prove me wrong i, I just i i don't get it <laughs> Noted. Oceans it is. <laughs> Probably for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Horror movies or comedy? Oh, comedy for sure. Okay. Uh, do you like watching a movie during your downtime or reading? Um, Both, but reading probably more. 
All right, and that was it. You did wonderful in your this or that game. We definitely know a little more about you and what your preferences or what you like. Um, with that, do you have any final takeaway message for all my listeners? No, other than listen to more of these podcasts. You're an awesome host, Upti, and uh, you know it's really been a privilege to to be on your podcast here and. Um, I look forward to listening to a lot more too. And my car rides are long and, you know, hopefully this was valuable to somebody and, um, you know, please feel free to contact uh, me if you ever need anything. Absolutely. I would definitely like to add, he's one of the kindest person I have met and interacted. I just reached out to him and here he is spending an hour talking and sharing all his insights. So definitely do reach out to him. And he, I love the fact that he's always open to conversations and like sharing more insights. So if you have any crazy ideas that you want to conceptualize, if you want to learn more about MetaMed or any technology where I'm sure he can assist and understand because he has that geeky, nerdy engineering mind, do reach out to him. But That's why I'm on this show, the nerdy <laughs> I keep saying this, that I have stolen the name, but I do talk to all the nerds out there. So I just take the name just because I'm not as dirty as my as my guests. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're up there with us. Sorry I'll, to talk to you. I'll take that. But with that, thank you so much once again, doctor, for your time. And I really, really appreciate you sharing all the insights. Good luck with all the amazing thing coming at, at MetaMed. And thank you so much. No, thank you, Hupti. It's a pleasure, as always.